Okay, so we're picking up on Philippians 1, 7. Um, I'm just going to give a quick review. Um, last time we were here, uh, just a reminder. Um, so I want to say like our theme verse was verse 6. So that's what Lee shared on in her devotional. That was one of the main verses. Uh, he who has begun a good work uh, will be faithful to complete it. Um, so we're picking up on the following verse. Um, just a reminder again, Paul's writing this epistle. Um, the theme is joy, uh, especially rejoicing and suffering. Um, we had the introduction, uh, I believe it was Acts 28 or 16. Um, 13 or 16, and then 28 is when Paul's already in house arrest. But um, we were remind, reminded of the Church of Philippi. So Paul is writing to the Philippians, and we just re- had a backstory of how the church started there. And we remember Lydia comes from Philippi, um, the Philippian jailer that almost took his life when Paul and Silas were arrested. And they weren't just arrested and beaten, but they were tortured. And um, they sang in the middle of the night in the prison, and, and God opened the jails. And, and they could have easily thought that God was setting them free, but they chose to stay because they thought of the the jailer's soul because he wasn't saved. And um, so yeah, it's just a background of how the church started there. And um, Paul actually had a really good relationship with them. That is why um, we know he wrote many epistles. A lot of them were to correct them, correct false doctrine, or correct sin in the church. But um, we know Philippians, he actually didn't have anything to re- correct them in. So he, he really loved them and it opens up with him and Timothy. Um, we know T- Timothy helped him write the letters. But also, they knew Timothy. So, and we're going to see later in chapter 2, he's going to say he's going to send Timothy to them since he's in jail, but he's under house arrest. Um, He was arrested two times, they were believed. uh, When he wrote Philippians, it could have been in a dungeon, but uh, most, there's two different views. Most evidences point to it was when he was in house arrest in his own rented house. So, he was tied to a a soldier at all times and and yeah he went through sufferings but we're gonna see that he says the word of god isn't chained and as my mom shared earlier on the verse i gave her verse chapter 1 verse 12 that it was actually for the furtherance of the gospel so we're gonna pick up in verse 7 so verse 7 says philippians 1 7 just that it i'm actually going to read verse 6 since it's Still part of the same sentence, as we know Paul likes to write long sentences. So, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just, in verse 7, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. So I'm going to stop there. Um, we're going to go verse by verse so we don't keep going back and forth. So uh, verse 7, we saw Paul said, in as much as both in my chains. So as I mentioned, we know that he's um, arrested at the moment. He's been arrested many times. But in a spiritual sense, that could be to any of us. We know that could be um, whether it's a sick bed, a season of waiting. I know last month. I talked a lot about Sarah. She was going through a really huge trial, and it's crazy to see her. She was here doing worship right now, so (laughs) we thought it was going to take a really long time. And she's still on her journey of healing, but um, it truly is a miracle that God has been answering those prayers so quickly. And she was hospitalized and has a rare disease, and just seeing her heal, the Lord heal her and her faith. And and it's crazy how we stopped right there, and I was trying to finish the first chapter last month, but we were really going in-depth. But yeah, that those chains could be whatever it is, a season of waiting. Maybe it could feel like they're being held back because of your health or because of maybe the Lord's just not opening doors and telling you to wait and he wants to work on, on you. And um, But we know it's all perfect in the Lord's eyes regardless of our circumstances, as Paul gives us the example. And it's his timing. We know that God's outside of time. To us, it feels like forever, but we know Peter says um, a day in the Lord is as a thousand days and thousand days as, as another day or a year and we know God's dwells in theology it's called God dwells in one eternal presence so we know God dwells outside of time and there's actually 
I like to trip up the, the kids in children's ministry with this when they're like maybe not having it. I'm like, do you know there's something that God can't do? And they're like all amazed. And, um, so God can't, God can't come into time. Um, I love one of our pastors that me and my husband Angel, we really look up to, Pastor David. Uh, we love his classes and he's very big on, on teaching us theology in such a simple way. As that's kind of, you know, we don't want to get puffed up in knowledge, but... He's really smart, and he teaches us in such a loving way, and, and um, he always talks about that, that that's the only thing God can do. Angels could come into time, but God can't come into time because he wouldn't be God anymore, that he's not confined to time. So we got to remember that when we're going through trials, and it's all part of his plan, and we just have to trust him. He's bigger than us, of course, and I mentioned right before we wrapped up last month about... Um, Job. So when Job prayed for his friends, so we know that Paul here is talking to the Philippian church. He's saying that they're always in his prayers and in his mind. And um, the previous verses say the same thing. He's always praying for them, thanking God for them. And we have to remember he's he's when during his sufferings he still prays for others, and that was a challenge that I mentioned for me myself as well. Because when we deal with whether anxiety, depression, whatever it may be, the last thing we're thinking of is praying for others. We're just trying to make it ourselves. And But we see all throughout the scriptures, God blesses that. It's something special that when we intercede for others, that's when God really works in our hearts. And, and Job, he was still suffering, but he prayed for his friends and that's when God restored double. And, and um, so yeah, so I, I like that Paul keeps talking about praying for them in his suffering and gives us that example. So um, that same verse, verse 7, at the end, he says that they are, they are all partakers with him in, of grace. So we know our brethren, our brothers and sisters in the Lord, um, we're all partakers of grace with each other. So we have to remember that that spiritual bond, that bond in general is closer than our friends or even our family, dare to say. Um, we know Jesus said that he who loves father or mother more than me or, um, is not worthy of me or following after me. Or hate, which doesn't mean literally hate them, but it's loving them less. And it's and sometimes that's really hard for people to admit because I, I admit, I see it too, how they say, you know, blood is thicker than water, but we know spirit is even closer than that. Our family, yes, God has entrusted us to our family. It's our first ministry and, and we need to do all that we can in this lifetime um, to either lead them to the Lord, pray for them, or just be that example to them and and at the end of the day, we're always going to have our family, even if we move to states or churches or whatnot. But um, we do have to remember that the brethren, that's our eternal family. And eternity is longer than this life, if we even get to live to 100 years old. But um, yeah, so we have to remember that, that we're partakers of grace with each other. So we have to, God really stresses that in the scriptures, that we are to give honor to one another because of that. As we're going to see in chapter 2 and throughout the scriptures of how to treat one another of course our neighbor but especially it says those in the household of faith Paul says I believe in Romans so to do good to all so and we're going to start seeing that in the following chapter next time um just about um, being like-minded and, and being a one accord and and you know not um having those dissensions with one another in the church but um but yeah so that's why it's important I wanted to bring that up because we are to get our wisdom from the brethren. Yes, it's good to get advice from mothers, older women, but if they're not following the Lord, it's most importantly to get our wisdom and our advice from people in the church who have been walking with the Lord for a long time, or, or if the Lord has just given them that gift of wisdom or word of knowledge. Um, so if you're praying about something and wanting advice, I know a lot of people, they tend to go to their worldly friends, and, and it's kind of like what I prayed earlier. It's because we want to hear what we want to hear we know it's not right sometimes but we won't go to people from church because we know what they're going to tell us i had friends like that and me myself at one point you know we don't want to go to that person because we know they're going to tell us um what the word says so so if you're praying about something or yeah a big decision or something and you know deep down inside maybe it's not right it's it's it is good to go to a pastor or somebody at church and remember that that wisdom is, is true wisdom and um, it's what pleases god so it's important to fellowship and gather with one another at church um, and build each other up and be equipped for the work of God. As Ephesians tells us that that's why he gave gifts and some are pastors, apostles. So it's good to be at church first and foremost for that fellowship and that encouragement. And if we're looking for advice, biblical advice, um, as we know, Hebrew says to Paul says, well, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews to not forsake the gathering and assembling of ourselves. 
And we know we saw that a lot during the pandemic, that a lot of people just fell away. Some had a good excuse if they couldn't make it, and they stayed connected, but a lot of people, it just made it easier for them. We just never saw them again or heard from them. So that's why it's important to, to gather and remember that we're each other's eternal family. We're going to be with each other longer than our family here on earth. So um, and to give honor to that. But again, the family is the first ministry, but it's important to gather together with your brethren. So um, one more thing I wanted to talk about as uh, we we're talking about uh, partakers of grace. One more verse that I thought of, which I wasn't going to mention because I was thinking, no, well, what does this have to do with the study? But we know the, the word is, is the same. All 66 books, all the authors from many thousands of years apart from each other, they all have the same theme because we know the Holy Spirit wrote it. So um, I thought of this verse and that's how, and as I was writing it, the Lord gave it to me, I knew it was for a reason. And it, it's perfect because of what my mom shared a little bit about our testimony. Um, my heart is, my heart has always been for the singles, but now that I'm in a new season that I'm married, it's still for the singles, but um, I wanted my mom to share because I want to have different women share different things that some, sometimes these women are neglected where they're divorced or they feel like they don't fit in with the singles or they shouldn't be uh, with the singles or they're supposed to act married still or um, or they just they're growing up being single parents and um, or maybe even being abused and they're not getting the support that they need from church so um, as Paul said the they are partakers of him with grace first Peter 3 7 says which Peter is writing husbands likewise dwell with them as I'm gonna backtrack um, Right before he says that, he's actually talking about the wives submitting to the husbands. And we know a lot of people take that out of context and they want to, they just want to say that, but they're not reading the whole thing. Um, Paul addresses both the women and the men. So right after he talks about the wives submitting, um, he says in 1 Peter 3, 7, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. So we know, as I mentioned, the Holy Spirit is, is, as Peter actually says in that same epistle, that the Holy Spirit has come upon men to, to write the scriptures. So we know the Holy Spirit, who is God and the Trinity, he's stressing the importance of that alone should be the highest reason to honor one another, as I mentioned. But I want to backtrack as people trip, trip up on the weaker vessel part. We know weaker, it's as in physically. Because we know that there are some, a lot of women, as I mentioned last month, as we we're talking about Lydia and the founding of the church, and that it was mostly women, and even a lot of women followed Jesus and supported Jesus, and were there when he was crucified. Um, the women could be stronger um, spiritually, which we see sadly a lot of the time. Um, so it doesn't mean that they're weaker in that sense. Um, they're weaker physically, how God created us. We just know simply men are stronger than us, and they're created, or they were meant, um, were created to worship God. But they were also designed for the purpose to be our protectors for women and our family's protector, which is our children. So that is why men are stronger. That's just what this just the way they're wired is, is now that I'm seeing this, I'm married. It's just men are wired, wired differently. And maybe they don't understand why we're more emotional and, and they see things differently. But that's why, because they're just strong and meant to protect. And um, so that's what it means by uh, weaker. So there's an order that God placed. And nowadays, we see the agenda to feminize men. It's really sad as we're seeing, and, and, and it doesn't just mean uh, homosexual men, but there's straight men dressing in certain ways, and they're straight, but they're just pushing the agenda to just feminize men, and, and they call it toxic masculinity, and I hate that term, <laughs> it's for a reason, but what they mean is they just hate that men are strong, and men are just protectors, as we see, and they speak up for the, the as the word tells us, men to speak up for those um, that are helpless, the fatherless and whatnot, the orphans. And just, um, you see videos, so many videos of um, violence on the streets, say a woman's getting abducted or beat up and nobody does anything. You see all these men around and they don't do anything. So um, we love seeing those videos where somebody does help out, but we know the Proverbs also says to not um, get involved in, in something because it's like, like holding a dog by the ears that you, you, know, you could get hurt. But if there's a certain, that's just like an altercation, but if you see something that maybe a child is being abducted, something, you know, you want or you want to stick up for somebody, but um, yeah, men are to be protectors. So likewise for the women, we're seeing that a lot of women want to be like men, which is feminism. 
And I admit, I was a feminist before I got saved. Maybe not super hardcore, but I would say getting there. <laughs> um, and it was because, um, as my mom shared, just um, my childhood trauma and just how I grew up, not wanting to get married because of what I witnessed, and just wanting to be independent. And um, even though I was from relationship to relationship, if the guy um, never physically abused, but if the guy either cheated on me or was verbally abusing me, um, you know, I would, I would leave them right away. And, and it's every right so. Um, people shouldn't stay in relationships where they're being abused, but we know if you're married, um, we, are, we are to work things out if maybe not cheating or anything, but I was just quick to just drop guys. And so because of that, I said, oh, I'm independent. I don't need a guy, even though deep down inside I did because I always was bouncing from relationship to relationship, trying to fill that void that I didn't have a father. So, um, so in a way, I was feminist in that sense. Like I would always say that, like, oh, I don't need a man, blah, blah, blah. But we know God designed it um, in a godly family unit for the man to be the protector. And we support each other, and the woman is to help me. And, we raise children in a godly home. That's the purpose, um, as uh, Malachi says, the purpose is for godly children and godly inheritance. But, um, so yeah, so we see that agenda now today and, and feminism has just taken a whole other, <laughs> it's, we thought we knew what feminism was, but now if people were to look today what it's become, it's just so crazy and, and uh, so yeah, so the point is though, it's to solely, it is, the point is to depend on God, but we know a lot of feminists, they don't know God. But at the end of the day, we, we have to remember, yeah, man will fail us as I'm learning, as I'm married. They're not going to be perfect. We don't have to hold them to that standard because we're taking that humanity away from them, what God is to us. But we are to work things out. And, and But again, do not put up with abuse either. As um, a big issue today is that we're seeing a lot of churches, uh, it's coming out that a lot of churches, um, they're not helping these women and they're having them actually they say to submit and whatnot, and they're not getting the support that they need, and it's sad, a lot of tragic situations, and the church doesn't really talk about that, or they have a misunderstanding on that, so um, I'm proud to say Calvary Chapel isn't like that, I don't want to say all Calvary Chapels, because um, we know there has been a split, and we could talk more about that later if you guys have questions on that, but um, for the most part, and no pastor is perfect either, we aren't to hold our pastor perfect because then if something happens then a lot of people fall away from the lord we're supposed to keep our eyes on the lord but um, there are a lot of churches sadly that we're seeing it's a lot of stories are coming out where they're telling the wife to stay with the, the abuser and they end up getting killed or whatnot and, and there's no biblical grounds for that so um that's just another issue so so yeah so that just reminded me of that verse about um being heirs together the grace of life so we just have to remember that with our brethren and and, um, and just the importance of honoring one another. So if you're married, or we have the scriptures here that we are to honor one another and our, our husbands are to honor us. And, um, but also if you're single, it's good to hold this to a standard. So you don't get yourself in, marry the wrong person or get yourself in a bad situation. So um, yeah, so I wanna move on to verse eight. So verse eight says, for God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. So as I said, Paul was praying for them. He loved them so much and he was just always praying for them and he just couldn't wait to see them. As we know, he couldn't get out of his house, but the cool thing is he had a lot of visitors. But Philippi was pretty far from where he was staying at. I believe it was said they have to cross like um, the sea. So I know back then it wasn't easy like now they could take a plane or a, a boat. It just wasn't, I mean, they had boats, but it wasn't as easy access as it is today. And, and it costs a lot of money and it's a lot of days journey, they get sick. So yeah, Paul couldn't wait to see them, but we know in his current situation, he couldn't. So um, verse eight, I like that the word that he says, it's actually in the King James version. Oh, it's in the New King James as well. The word affection. In the King James Version, it means bowels. Um, so you know what that means down here in our stomach. So when we have a bowel movement or whatnot. So the reason why they use that word back in the day, it's funny because I really like this because you know when we feel, we say, oh, I feel it in my heart. Well, nowadays the expression is I feel it in my heart or with all my heart or whatnot. But they actually use the expression bowels because that was the utmost feelings where we feel things, good or bad. 
So, you know, when you have butterflies, you're nervous, you always feel it in your stomach, right? Or when you're scared, you feel it in your stomach. Or when you're angry, you feel it in your stomach. So that makes more sense. And that's just an expression they always used um, back then. So that's, that's what Paul was saying, that he feels it in his bowels. Like, he, he was really longing. So I love that. So Paul prayed for them, and, and he didn't lie. As he said, God is his witness. And it reminds me of the verse, 1 John 3.18. It says... My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So Paul didn't just say it. And I know sometimes, sadly, we're guilty of this. We say, oh, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. I love um, well, one of my past pastors at Golden Springs, Pastor Raw. He would always say, don't, don't say that. He's like, don't say you'll pray for them. He's like, pray for them right now. Pray for them on the spot. And it's just something I, I try to do ever since. And. And, or if I'm texting, I say, I'm praying right now. Because sometimes, you know, we'll forget. I'm like, oh, I'll pray for you. So I love that Paul was the ultimate example. He didn't just say it, but he did it. And he said, God is his witness. And yeah, I think of that verse that let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth, in action. It's actually do it and not just tell people. So um, I love that that Paul, just throughout the, his epistles, we see he was a man of prayer, and that's something I just, I'm always convicted on and guilty of, that I just always want to pray more, so it's just a great example, like I said, he was about it, he didn't just say it, so may we be those people of prayer, and um, yeah, so let's move on to verse 9, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. So he's not just praying for them, like, oh, Lord, I pray for the Philippians. Just be with them with all their whatever they need. So he's specific in his prayers. And I love that because it gives us a guide. Um, just like in Ephesians 3, he talks about that prayer for the church where it says, uh, we know, 320, that God would do exceedingly abundantly above. But he also talks about um, that they may know the depth or the width and the height of the love of God. So I just love Paul's prayers that he shares with us because that's, if we have trouble knowing how to pray, we always tell people it doesn't have to be super fancy. It's just a conversation with God. That's what he wants. He wants our heart because if we're trying to conjure up all these words, it's not heartfelt. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not going to have as much as effect that God knows our hearts. And, and you know, even if we can't, we don't have the words. Um, Romans 8, Paul says that, that the, the spirit intercedes for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And yeah, even if it's just like, oh God, you know, he knows. And um but if you, don't, if you feel like you don't know how to get started, because I remember when I first started praying, especially out loud, um, I will never forget that. I'm going to tell her. Um, we had a friend. Her name was Mindy. She, we were in the Amazons on a missions trip. And I was just starting to get plugged into church. I was about a year in, and I never really like prayed. So that's what's cool, that see the gathering together. We push each other to pray, and we don't know until we try. We have to, it's like a muscle. You're working out. You're strengthening it. You're strengthening it. And if you don't do it, you know, you're never going to get... It's pretty much like the gym. If you don't start going, you're never gonna. You're not gonna become like all beefed out right away. And one day, it takes time. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's good to we push each other, encourage each other to pray, to step out in faith with our gifts. Um, that's why me and my husband we just love because we have a heart for evangelism, and um, that's how we learned our gifts. People kind of just threw us out there, <laughs> and we just wanted to try it. We didn't know we had that gift until we tried it. So. We just love people just trying anything. We tell them, just start anywhere, and you'll know if it's for you or if that's what God, the gift God gave you for. And the Bible tells us to pray for the gifts. But I love that Paul's specific. So um, he says right here that they may abound more and more in knowledge and all discernment. So we know the Holy Spirit, there's a gift of the Spirit called discernment, but that the Spirit gives us. But I truly believe all of us have some kind of discernment in some way. Some people just don't have it at all or have it less, but... Um, it is a gift where you can really be strengthened in that discernment. So like I said, the Bible says to pray for the, the gifts. So here's a good um, thing we could pray for for others um, that they would have. I like to pray that, especially seeing the falling away the Bible um, prophesied about. that There's going to be a big falling away in the last days. And just seeing that these past years, um, I just pray God give them discernment. Even if they walked away and they're following the culture now or, or just a lot of things that are bad. Um, and yeah, a lot of us, we're just blind. The enemy is so subtle, but if you're really in tune with the Lord, you have that discernment. But I always pray, just give them discernment and, and knowledge. Um, we know first uh, Peter says to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we're called to grow, not just be stagnant. Um, I believe it's in First Corinthians and other epistles. 
Paul encourages to, I believe in it's Hebrews as well, he encourages the believers to grow. So we know it's not something we're just telling people, the Bible constantly tells us to grow. And he says, you ought to be teachers by now. He's shocked when he's writing to the other church and, and that they, they're still sipping on milk when they should be eating meat. So we are called to grow in, in, in the knowledge. And it's best, it's best, the best way because we know, as I said, as we're seeing the way things are going in today's culture, and we want to have the knowledge of the Lord because we could easily be fooled. We could easily um, fall away too. So... It's good to know the Lord and His heart for others. Is something He's been speaking to me lately. Um, just knowing His heart, what His heart is, as we're going to see later. Um, while Paul keeps praying for them and, and just the fruits of the Spirit. So it's good to just pray to have God's heart because we know we don't have God's heart. We think we do, but we don't. So um, I'm going to continue in verse 10. So that you may approve the things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. So he's still praying for the, this is still his prayer, what he's saying he's praying for them for. So as we read about knowledge and discernment, now he's saying that they may approve the things that are excellent. It's kind of what we talked about, that they could discern, maybe that this isn't of the Lord. And, and, and I believe it, actually Paul says it again in Romans, to be simple concerning evil. And the Proverbs also tells us to hate evil on the, um, the evil way, that the... The knowledge of God is to is to hate evil. So that's his prayer for them. And I wanted to emphasize in the word sincere. I don't know if you guys heard this before, but in the Latin, the word sincere, we get the word sincere from the Latin word sinicera, which means without wax. So there's two words, definitions that go with this. First, I'm going to give you the Latin one, and then we're going to do the Greek. So the Latin one is without wax. So it's kind of like sincere, uh, in Spanish is sincere, I believe. So it's kind of similar to the Latin root. So without wax means it's referring to honey. Back then they referred it to honey that has been strained. So when you get it from the honeycomb, it has beeswax in it. So I don't know if some people are familiar, maybe a lot of farmers or different people that just harvest the honey. I've, I've seen uh, my grandpa's brother do that before. And I would just love it when we would have the honeycombs at the house, you know, there's a lot of bees. But it tasted good, but it has bees, beeswax in it. And so the honey has to be strained to remove the beeswax. Uh, thus, it's without wax. So that means it has been strained and purified. So when you think about sincere, is you want, you want it to be genuine. You want it to be pure. So it has to be purified. Kind of how we hear the story about being pure, the metal being purified in the fire, the silver and the gold. So that's the Latin. But in the Greek, sincere is... I like... Ilecrines. So it means the brightness of the sun, sun judge. So you're going to see why that's what it means. So the, the background story to that was back then, since it is the Greek word, this is the time we're reading about right now. So in Rome, there were artisans and sculptures were popular, as we see a lot of the, the statues. If you ever go to uh, Rome or Italy, or we see the paintings or maybe even statues. But um, so they were big on that. And of course, it was because of Caesar. They would get statues of Caesar. They worshiped Caesar or even their gods. We know the Romans had a lot of Roman gods. So they, they were big on statues. So when working on, when an artisan would work on an intricate sculpture, um, as they were very flawless, very beautiful, um, say they were working on a sculpture and, you know, I don't know if any of you guys ever do art or anything. It, it takes a long time. So imagine you're like towards the end of it, maybe halfway. Um, say you accidentally knock off an ear or you chiseled something because they would do it with the knife or with the, the, the tool that they would use. They chisel it. So if they uh, chiseled something wrong, say like, oh, I chiseled too hard. Um, and say they went deeper than they were supposed to or they knock off an ear or a nose. So say that would happen. Think about the time, but not only that, but the resources. I'm sure it costs money to just throw it all out. So the, what they would do, in a way, they would kind of cheat the people. <laughs> they, would take the, they would take wax and marble powder. They would mix it. So they would take the mixture, and they would fix the, the statue. They would put it wherever they needed to fix it. So you couldn't notice it or see it. So nobody would be able to tell. But of course, people were big on statues. They wanted authentic statues, beautiful statues. But say they, the people would buy it. But on the hot days in Rome, <laughs> the wax would melt. Oh, 
and it would run down the face of the statue or wherever the area was. So without wax means it's genuine and it hasn't been altered or changed. Uh, Chuck Smith said, it can be examined in the brightness of the sun to reveal the flaws. Paul prays that your faith might be sincere and examined in the brightness of the sun, S-O-N, and be without flaw. So I thought that was pretty cool. And yeah, so people, they would ask maybe, they could trick them and lie to them. They would want to make sure, is this sincere, is this genuine? They wanted a, a statue that was flawless. So that's what the Greek word means that Paul used. Because he knew they were going to identify with that. And... Um, so we know, because we, as we read in our introduction, or we studied that Philip, the city of Philippi was a Roman colony. So they were governed by Rome. So we're going to move to verse 11, next verse. Being, he's still praying for them. <laughs> Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. So there ends his prayer for them, what he says he's praying for them for. So being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Fruits of righteousness are, we know, are the fruits of the Spirit, as Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says. So I'm going to read that verse, those verses. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And I think of what it means by against such there is no law. If you remember, Jesus said, um, when they asked him, what, are the, what is the greatest commandment? Since they had the Ten Commandments, they followed Moses, but Jesus was very revolutionary where he said, um, these two greatest commandments I give you. And um, he said, love the Lord your God with all your, your soul, your heart, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So he said, upon these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. So pretty much saying if, you do, if you're doing these two things, you don't have to worry about the Ten Commandments because you're already fulfilling them. So he made it simple. And also he went down to the core of the hearts because he also said the intents. Because he said if you look upon a woman in lust, he said you already committed adultery. Or if you hate your brother, you already murdered. So, so in a way it was revolutionary because people maybe kept the Ten Commandments outwardly. Like, oh, nobody could, nobody's seeing that I'm physically doing these things. But he took it to another level. Where it's like, wait, but you're still doing it in your mind and your heart. So, um, so we know that's the fruits of the Spirit. And I love that the Holy Spirit gives it, as we saw in verse 11, he's, uh, Paul says, the Holy Spirit gives it, as we saw in Galatians, but Paul says in verse 11, which are by Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit gives it, but it's by Jesus Christ as he was a propitiation for our sins, as 1 John 2, 1 through 2 says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So the Holy Spirit gives it, but without Jesus, it's not possible because we know that we were reconciled to God because of the sacrifice for sins. God, he imputes his righteousness on us, and God sees us as perfect. That's why the wall separation is down. And um, Hebrews talks about that um, we could now come boldly through the, to the, the throne of grace. So, because of Jesus, this is all possible. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the fruits of the Spirit. And we would be, it would be like, again, like the Old Testament, just following the law and our, our own strength, trying to do it, trying to do it, but we just can't. And as Paul talks about, we can't do it in our own strength. So, um, as we also speak about the good fruit, the bad fruit, quote-unquote, are the works of the flesh. So, Galatians, if you backtrack a few verses, Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, as I was reading that right now, I just realized the fruits of the Spirit list is so much shorter than the bad list. And there, you could add more to that bad list, I'm sure. But, <laughs> but I like how some people say it says the fruit of the Spirit. The main fruit is love. And out of love flow all other good things. So um, it's good to know the difference. And as Paul stresses there in Galatians, here in Philippians, even in Romans, that the fruit of the Spirit can only come from Him, and it's not from ourselves, as I mentioned. Um, 
which is something that I would I would love to say because a lot of people and something you guys could share with others. Maybe you're inviting a friend or somebody to church, and they're taking a long time to to want to come. I know a lot of people's excuses. Oh, I'll go when I'm ready. Or the one I would hear is, Oh, if I walk in there, God's gonna strike me dead or whatnot. <laughs> so when I'm ready, but it's like we're never gonna be ready. That's the point why we need a savior. We're gonna come to God. Yeah. So. Um, you could tell them this verse and that I'm going to read to you from Romans, but also just stressing it's not from ourselves. We, we can't gain these fruits of the Spirit on our own. Um, I know that chapter in John about abiding, I believe it might be 17. Um, Jesus talks about um, abiding in Him. So we know that when we abide in Him, well, first we have to accept Him and believe that He died for sins and rose again. And then once we abide, it's a natural. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Um, abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So think about, I have a recent love of plants recently. <laughs> I was never a plant person, but um, I just, just the idea of that. You know, we see that just a plant, just, it just can't grow fruit on its own. It has to go through the process, the root, the branches, you have to water it. So it's a process. You can't just force it. So I love what Chuck Smith says in his book, Why Grace Changes Everything. I mentioned this book last month. Um, he says it's like a garden. It's not a factory where you're manufacturing, you know, can you love and enjoy any peace. But no, it's a garden. It's a garden and it's naturally growing. And whether you, the next moment, before you know it or not, you're going to have it without. You're not going to feel any different. You're not going to know. It's until your faith gets tested and you're going through these times. Because we know the Bible tells us that God tests our faith. Not because he doesn't know, but it's to strengthen us and to show us what's in our hearts. And um, it's not until we go, it's tested, as you hear that. There's a quote that says, faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. So when we go through those things, sometimes we wonder how we're going to get through it. But we start to see we have, we have joy and we're like, wait, because you can't really tell if we have joy. I mean, it gets confused often with happiness when everything's normal. But you truly see the joy of the Lord when you're going through it. And, and you're like, how do I have joy? How do I have peace? Even though this sounds crazy right now. If I tell this my story to somebody when I'm going through, they're going to just, they're going to be worried for me. So that's when we really, we truly see that we have those things. And yes, God could give us those things on the spot um, when we pray. Um, one of my other favorite pastors uh, from Bible college, his name is Pastor Danny. He always has a colorful way of speaking. I love one of his terms he says is that when you get saved, there's a detonation of life that is, explodes in your heart. But he likes to say inject, things like inject. So he says uh, the Holy Spirit can inject joy at times when we pray and cry out for it on the spot. Like the psalmist says in Psalm 4-7, you have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. So... Um, he can do it when we're crying out because we know the word tells us he answers us when we cry. But sometimes, like I said, we're being tested. So it's a process. We have to cultivate. We have to be ready beforehand. We have to have it cultivated because if it doesn't come in that instant, like I said, just having that relationship with him, um, cultivating it and reading and praying, that's why you can't stress it enough, is having a devotional life. And some people, maybe they give up and, and because they're not, they fall off the wagon for a week or a day and they're like, oh, I can't do this. It's like, no, like even me, like we're not perfect. We might have a day where we didn't read and don't be condemned, but you just have to keep, pick up where you left off or wherever the Lord leads. And um, it's very important to have that time with the Lord and, and, and prayer because that's when we're going to, we're going to need it when the time comes and we're prepared already. We're armored up. But um, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm going to backtrack really quick because I didn't <laughs> explain that verse that I said to tell people that say that they're not ready to come to church. So, um, so as I said, it's not from us. It's from the Holy Spirit. It's not ourselves. So Paul says in Romans 14, 17 also, he refers to the kingdom of God as being righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So that's in Romans. So that's just another reminder. The Galatians was where it talks about more about the fruits of the Spirit. But I love that Paul says in Romans also that, and Paul also wrote Galatians, that it's in the Holy Spirit. So Paul says in Romans 7, 18, for, and this is Paul the Apostle speaking, and we, people see him, even the Catholic Church as a saint, you know, they worship him, and we see him as high up there, like, oh, because he is our teacher, he's wrote most of the epistles. And, but this is Paul speaking, he said, for I know that in me, 
that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. So even if we try, like, okay, I'm going to try to go to church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do good this time for real. So it's like, we try. He says, it's in him. Um, just as Jesus said, when he prayed in the garden, he told them, when they fell asleep, his disciples, he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So that's for all of us. We know because of original sin, the curse that Adam and Eve brought, um, we just have sin in us. So it's hard. Our spirit wants to, or maybe somebody who doesn't know God, maybe the Holy Spirit's already working in their heart. They want to, but that's what's holding them back. They say, no, no, because of this and that, whatever excuses. Um, but yeah, even Paul said that. In him, nothing good dwells. And this is Paul already. He spent many years already saved before he came into ministry. He spent years with the Lord in, in the wilderness, as we read, I believe it. And it might be an axe. Um, but yeah, so so we know in, in us nothing good dwells. So for sure we can't be trying to do it on our own. But it's it's abiding and it's um, cultivating that relationship with the Lord. So so that's a different avenue of receiving joy even if, if it doesn't happen on the spot. It could happen on the spot, but there's different avenues. So... So God is, is merciful and he lets us go through those seasons of testings and strengthening of our faith. But um, as we cultivate that joy, we have that beautiful promise in Nehemiah that says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Um, that's a good one to remember. Regardless of what you're going through, we're strong because we have that joy. I know when I was first coming to the Lord, I was going through a bad breakup and, and I was starting to go to church. And um, yeah, it's just like the Lord... I was depressed, but I don't know where as I prayed. And it's funny because it was a verse in my mom's office at the time I used to work with her. I think it was Matthew 11, come to me, all who, you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Um, and I remember that just like sparked something in me, and I was able to eat. And like I, I had that joy, even though it was still sad, but it's just, it, it is our strength. And we might be still go through those things. It doesn't mean those situations are taken out of our life at the moment, but his joy is our strength it truly is and that's something we can fall back on even if like i said we might feel the same we don't see it but it's something we could hold on to the next thing you know we're like oh yeah and the lord just fills us and we could keep praying for that so and people will see our joy through the trials and um it'll be a witness and testimony to them as my mom was saying um that verse that i gave her that others will see and they want to know what it what is it you know what is it and it's a testimony that it's the lord so it comes. Um, it also comes to us by receiving and obeying the word of God. So again, it's produced by the Holy Spirit as we receive and obey the word. As um, we know, James says, "Not only be hearers of the word, but be doers." And Jesus said, "If you love me, you will keep my commandments." So we know there's people only that walk with the Lord. They're not. They're, they say they're walking with the Lord, but they don't obey the word. They don't obey God, and they probably don't even feel the tuggings of the Holy Spirit because we know the more we resist, um, we his tuggings and voices starts to become more faint but god could always restore us and once we start obeying that's when we realize that his voice gets louder and louder so so you can probably wrap up there's good timing so again those are beautiful promises and the inheritance we have in him i believe ephesians talks about the spiritual blessings that we have that sometimes we forget we have and that's why it's so important to be in the Word, as my mom said, she looked up those promises, and we see, it's like we're digging for gold. Like, say you have a backyard, and somebody says, there's like treasure back here, but you have to dig for it, you have to look for it, but say there's a million dollars back there. If somebody's lazy, or just maybe looks at a certain spot, and they give up right away, like, oh, this is too hard, I can't find it, I can't find it. It's like, no, you would really dig back there. And it's like we have all these blessings, but it's us to dig them up, so to say, and um, be in the Word, and pray them and believe them um so yeah so um again paul gives us that great example he was going through tests and trials but he could rejoice he rejoiced in them so we learned from him he knew his god so well that that is why he could exude such confidence and joy in such tumultuous times in his life and um, as i mentioned in our introduction last month the persecution the church was going through as a whole they went through two major waves the early church right after jesus um, rose again they went through two major waves of persecution by caesar nero and others but um, they were always persecuted but there was two main ones and that's where paul the apostle was also ultimately killed in the second one which was the worst one and then peter was also killed around the same time so um, even though all this was happening paul just his confidence in god he was able to um, 
just have that joy and, and even in the Philippine jails we saw he was singing praises to God so I'm going to end with the verse from Jeremiah 15 16 um, similar to what we were talking about joy your words were found and this is Jeremiah the prophet speaking your words were found and I ate them and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart for I am called by your name O Lord God of hosts so again the importance of the word of God and David also talks throughout the Psalms um, that he wrote about the Word of God, how it is perfect, it's sweet like the honeycomb, etc. There's a lot of uh, references, and uh, that's, that's awesome. Now that I think about it, that's why probably David wrote so many Psalms, because he loved the Word, he was inspired by the Word, and he, he just knew the Word. And that's why they're so powerful, now that you think about it, because it could have been um, somebody else who wrote Psalms, but... But since David was so studied in the Word and knew God, they, that's why they're so powerful. And um, so, so uh, one in particular, Psalm 119, it's all about the Word. If you ever get a chance to read it, even if you don't finish it, because it's 176 verses long. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. Um, but even if you read bit by bit, um, it's actually the Hebrew alphabet. So as you go, it, it breaks it down in sections, in paragraphs. So each section is a letter of the alphabet, Hebrew alphabet. So as the frame up there too says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's from Psalm 119. So um, I just love that song. It's just so beautiful. And um, yeah, so we're going to read mainly, I was hoping to finish chapter one and we really got in depth, so in depth, three verses or four verses. But um, since we didn't even get to the verse I gave my mom, we're going to finish off here in the following verses. Verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And as I mentioned, you know what was going on at the time? He was on house arrest, he was arrested, but he, he's thinking, man, and I'm sure you could say that in, many times in your life, um, maybe detours, as so we say. Um, you know, I actually love this picture. I remember when I first got saved, I remember seeing it, and I just loved it ever since. It shows like a stick figure on the top and the bottom and the top one says like how I picture my life with God or something like that and it's just like a straight you know way it's like yeah all good and rainbows but then the bottom says how it actually goes and it's like this <laughs> like hills and valleys hills and valleys so um but it's for a reason it's for a reason and and God takes us through those detours like I said to strengthen our faith but also how my mom said not to waste our, our testimony our story um Sometimes I have a lot of regret, a lot of shame because of things of my past, and I know my husband as well, and many of us, um, but we have to remember it's God, the ultimate testimony is, is the miracle that he saved us, and, and we could use that, it's actually for the furtherance of the gospel, because we could relate to others maybe that, like my mom, she could relate to maybe people that went through what she went through that other women probably wouldn't understand, and so... Um, and Sarah too, for example, which well, she's going through with her health, um, she could share with others. So we don't understand, but it's actually for the furtherance of the gospel. I remember a um, quick story when I was working with my mom, as I mentioned, I got hurt twice there, injured, um, crazy work accidents on the machines. And um, I broke my arm in two places. The second time my back got messed up. And, um, but each time I remember I was going, I think it was when I messed up my back, that was like really horrible because I thought I was gonna stay like that forever. Um, and it was just like horrible because I had to go through the work clinic and they weren't helping me and I would just every time after my appointment I would come home and just fall on my face and just cry and, and um, but it's crazy as I was going to the physical therapy, uh, therapy appointments or chiropractor appointments um, somehow God would just place divine appointments and just people I, could, I would pray for or invite to church in the waiting room and, and, and I know that wasn't me because I'm really shy and it's, it was the Lord who just and they would see me reading my Bible or whatnot, and they would ask me, and there's an open door, or I would be like getting worked on, and I, I would have my eyes closed, and I would hear like somebody crying in the other room or something, different things, and the Lord would just use everywhere that I was at, and I'm like, okay, maybe, like, we don't understand why we're going through this, but I probably wouldn't have been able to pray for these people. I would have never crossed paths with them if I wasn't here, so we don't understand always fully, but it's for the furtherance of the gospel, as we saw the when Paul and, and Silas were in the Philippian jail, as I mentioned, they could have, they were broken out of jail, the earthquake of the Lord, and like I said, if that was me or us, we would have been like, hey, like, this is a miracle, isn't this the Lord like breaking us out? You know, like, why would that even happen? So, but no, they stayed because they cared about the jailer's soul. He was about to kill himself because if the, the inmates escaped, they were in charge of, the, of them and they, they would kill them. 
they would put them to death, the guards to death. So, he, um, but yeah, they stayed. They told him, no, 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 we're all here. And then we you know he took them to their house and he cleaned their wounds and, and he preached to them and their family, the whole household got saved. That's how the church in Philippi, there were some of the main people that was kind of the church there, and Lydia and the people there. So um, yeah, it's always for the furtherance of the gospel. So if you still don't have answers, we might not even know on this side of heaven, but just know it's a guarantee. It's a promise in the Bible that it's, it's for the furtherance of the gospel, and we might never fully understand until we get to heaven. And sometimes we do see it now here on this side of heaven, but um, yeah, so it's something we can always hold on to. So we'll continue in verse 14 next time we meet at the end of this month. So let me go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, um, for your word, as we mentioned, Lord, your promises, Lord God. I pray that we would just take advantage, Lord, of just these riches that you give us, Lord, and may we do the work to dig for them, Lord. And, and um, even when we don't have strength, Lord, I pray that you'll give us hunger and thirst for your word, Lord God, for prayer, Lord. And um, as we study, Lord, that there's nothing good in us, Lord God. We might want to, but our flesh is so weak, Lord God, and it's hard to even just pick up the Bible at times. But I pray that you would just grant us that hunger and that thirst for you, Lord God, that, that you would just give us a taste of bitterness of these things of, the, of this world. Even if they, they don't seem like bad things, but things that are distracting us from you, Lord, I pray that you would just um, just make it bitter and us be tired of it, Lord, that I want to break that routine, Lord God, of, of whatever's holding us back from you, Lord. And I pray um, just for the study, Lord, and the women here, Lord God, we know that you have a special heart for them, Lord God, and their desire to learn more about you, Lord God, because they're here, Lord God, or they're tuning in, Lord, I pray that you just um, continue to work all things together for their good, Lord God, as Romans 8, 28 says, which is one of my life verses, Lord, and I pray that um, you just be with all of us, Lord, and continue healing Sarah, Lord, that you just be with um, my husband's family, Lord, as our niece um, is still missing, Lord, I pray that you just work everything out together for their good, Lord, as they draw closer to you during this time, Lord God, and I pray that... Um, we would just get here next month, Lord God, that everybody will be okay and nothing, that nobody will be sick or, or whatever it is, Lord. But we know, again, all things work together for good, Lord. I pray that um, your presence will just be here now, Lord God, during this last song. And maybe just be filled with that joy, Lord God, that only you could give, Lord. You can't conjure it up or force it, Lord. We know that it's, it's you that gives it and we just overflow with it, Lord God. And we can't even contain it, Lord, even if, if we try, Lord. And we thank you again, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.